Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. We had a pretty exciting show tonight, and with me, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? Doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Doing real well. And we also have a, an, an unbelievable guest with us, straight out of California, where you can see a fireplace going, because apparently it's colder in California than it is in New York right now. Eight-time novelist, uh, investigative reporter, Michelle McPhee. How you doing, Michelle? I love the show so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> well, this is your second time. You're a frequent flyer almost, right? I know. I love it. No, this is my third time. Third time? Oh, my yeah. God. I didn't even know that. Uh, yeah, it's a hat trick now. Th that's fantastic. That's great. So, you know, we're going to talk about um, Prince Andrew because it just came out really pretty timely. This innocent uh, royal that did nothing uh, just agreed <laughs> to pay uh, $16 million to uh, his his victim that he never met and never um, did anything to, but he agreed to pay her 16, well, 12 million pounds, which is approximately $16 million. In any event, in New York language, that's a lot of shekels. Yeah. You know? That's a lot of shekels. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this. I'm going to dig deep because not only do I have Michelle McPhee here, but I got straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi and, uh, we're going to dig to a little bit deeper into this than most reporters. It's a show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes, even an interview with the most popular folks. Welcome back, everyone. You know, before we dig into this, I just want to play a short little news clip and we can get an idea of uh, what what the prince, the former prince, I guess. I don't know if he has any princely duties anymore. What he's, what he's up against here. Prince Andrew's attempt to explain his friendship with accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein backfiring. You've been on his private plane. Yes. You've been to stay on his private island. Yes. You've stayed at his home in Palm Beach. Yes. The Duke of York generating a new wave of questions in what has become a sea of speculation surrounding his ties to Epstein. Prince Andrew denied he ever saw his former friend with underage girls in a pointed and detailed interview with the BBC. Do I regret the fact that, that, that he has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming? Yes. Unbecoming. He was a sex offender. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being polite. I'm in the sense that he was a sex offender. Queen Elizabeth's son, who is eighth in line to the throne, was specifically asked about his 2010 visit to Epstein's Manhattan mansion after the financier pleaded guilty to soliciting minors for prostitution. Now, I went there with the sole purpose of saying to him that because he had been convicted, it was inappropriate for us to be seen together. 
Despite ending the <laughs> Prince Andrew admitted he stayed with Epstein for four days. He was staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. Prince Andrew <laughs> to Epstein the defamation lawsuit against Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's one-time girlfriend. The lawsuit was filed by Virginia Roberts Dufry, who, according to court filings, alleges Epstein directed her to have sex with the royal on three separate occasions when she was a minor. Jufri speaking exclusively to Savannah. Prince Andrew, of course, denies that this ever happened. He denies that it ever happened, and he's going to keep denying that it ever happened. But he knows the truth, and I know the truth. Echoing his repeated denials of the allegations, Prince Andrew says he has no recollection of even meeting Jufri. I, I can absolutely categorically tell you it never happened. Jufri claimed one of the alleged sexual encounters happened in March 2001 after dancing with the prince at a London nightclub. She was very specific about that night. Mm. She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating <laughs> and that she went on to have... There's a, there's, possibly... a, there's a slight problem with 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 with, with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition, which is that I don't sweat. Prince Andrew, who's still <laughs> baby, I use Aaron extra dry. That's impossible. During his combat, England's <laughs> war. The royal also casting doubt on the authenticity of this photo, appearing to show him with Jufri when she says she was just seventeen. Yeah, that's me, but but whether that's my hand or whether that's um, the position, I, I, but I don't, I have simply no <laughs> of the photograph ever being taken. I'm not one to, um, as it were, hug and um, public displays of affection are not something that, that I do. The prince provided this explanation for where he was. Where she going to have sex with the girl? I was <laughs> at home. Uh, I was with the children. I'd taken Beatrice to... Uh, a Pizza Express in Woking <laughs> for a party at, a, I suppose, sort of four or five in the afternoon. Um, and then because the Duchess was away, we have a simple rule in the, in the, in the family that, 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 that when one's away, the other one's there. Regarding his 2010 visit to Epstein's Manhattan mansion, Prince Andrew did acknowledge he let down the royal family, saying he kicks himself on a daily basis. As for Jufri, she and her attorneys have not responded to our multiple requests for comment. Wow. That was such an eyebrow-raising uh, interview. The royal family, are they saying anything about? Well, the Queen <laughs> knew about this interview, but they haven't made any public comment. His ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson, has called him, quote, a true gentleman. But also, guys, this comes as reports that two weeks ago, a public relations person working for Prince Andrew resigned because oh. he didn't want him to oh. conduct yeah, this interview. So how's that being received overseas? Yeah. I mean, not well. Not too good. Uh, have launched into it. The, the furor over it does not seem to be settling down today. You know, I just, before I uh, ask you a question, Michelle, I just wanted to say, I, 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 did, I did not have sex with that woman. I did not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. That's who he reminds me of, you know. That's, that's of course, because you are at the Pizza Express. Does anyone buy that? Does anyone buy anything that that man just said? It would not take, you know, one of your fantastic first grade gold shield detectives could have read that guy's body language in about a half a second 
And <laughs> if it was still prosecutable, he'd be in prison. Never mind 16 million bucks. Uh, I do not sweat. I use arid oh. extra dry. I have this condition. <laughs> well, how about, how about he goes to Jeffrey Epstein to tell him in person, it's not a good idea if we're seen in public together anymore. He never heard of a phone or an email or anything like that. He had to go see him in person if he's convicted of uh, a sex crime. So, I and mean, stay at his ridiculous. house for the next four days because it was convenient. Yeah, right. I think, exactly. I think he left his cricket racket there or something. It was a convenient place to stay, you know. <laughs> he had to no retrieve day. that cricket. Yeah, Lolita Island. Who doesn't want to stay on Lolita Island? Yeah, yeah. So, so this did. goes back. This happened in 2001 that he had sex with this young 17-year-old girl, Miss Bill, Jeffrey. back then, even – look, at, I think all of us were very busy elsewhere in 2001, right? So, yeah. you know, we had a lot going on, and, and certainly Prince Andrew was not on the forefront of anybody's mind, and that particularly a, you know, ghastly year. But this – News about Epstein, you know, look, even at the way back in the day at the Daily News, we knew about this story that Epstein was bringing all these high profile people to. I mean, once you hear Secret Service guys calling something uh, the Lolita Express, don't you think that that should have been an investigation right then and there? The thing about this case that has always befuddled me is how, you know, intricate this cover up has been from day one when it involved all of them. Well, Michelle, how many, you know, the second part of this case obviously should be when after Ghislaine Maxwell was convicted, why isn't she now singing like a parakeet to try to cut some kind of deal regarding sentencing? Because well, she people, knows all of the, where the bodies are buried. She knows all of that. I can't imagine that she's not going to try to negotiate some sort of uh, plea agreement before getting sentenced in prison. But look what just happened. Didn't one of Epstein's close buddies just kill himself in jail? Yeah, everyone wanted to know where the Clintons were, you know, in the last well, few days. Yeah. Bodies, bodies drop around them, you know? You know, I think uh, you're right on track with that, Michelle. They probably, prosecutors probably wanted to have her convicted and, you know, now the walls are closing in a bit and that would be a, a great time for her to uh, now say, listen, before I'm sentenced, they may even wait till after the sentencing and then uh, go there. But uh, I think she's very inclined to uh, open up about what she knows about this, uh, this scumbag. Do you think she's going to make it? Well, let's. Or is I she going to yeah. meet some tragic accident? I would hope jail. not. I, I would hope not. But uh, listen, uh, the strangest suicide in the world occurred with Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know how that's still being called a suicide. I, it's it's just we talked about it before. There's just been so many different things that occurred uh, under you know uh, he was supposed to be under 24 hour guard and all the rest of it. So uh, again, anything could happen at any time. But uh, yeah, you know I, I get guess there's a lot of high profile people that wouldn't want uh, a lot of this stuff to come out. It's amazing that, uh, you know, they conducted search warrants on Epstein's home and nothing has ever really been publicized about any of the stuff that they recovered. So uh, again, they're protecting people like Prince Andrew, obviously. Yeah. And Andrew, I'm very disappointed in you and I'm <laughs> going to cut you off from the family fortune and you no longer are allowed to be called by your title Prince. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure he's still living better than all of us. 
Prince Andrew. Oh, you know, yeah. it's really oh, it's, yeah. think about the Epstein suicide and the people who are involved, and then you got to wonder how this has been allowed to go on for so long. I mean, when remember when they tried to lock up the prison guards? They did lock up the prison guards at MCC, and uh, then suddenly that case went away. They dropped the case against those prison guards. Uh, we know that the tapes mysteriously went missing from the jail that night, and and the thing that has always bothered me is that Jim James Comey, the former FBI director, we all know James Comey, who thought he was like you know Andy Griffith. James Comey's daughter was the U.S. attorney that was assigned to the prosecution and to the investigation into the missing tapes. I mean, how is that possible? How does that in any way pass the smell test that Jim Comey's daughter is an AUSA investigating what went wrong when Epstein suicided himself? Yeah. You know, Michelle, I don't trust like you, what you're alluding to. I don't trust the people that are investigating this, that if it's the right powerful people on their side, that they'll do the right thing. Well, that's the whole point. So if you have Jim Comey on that, on the Epstein suicide investigation, who the hell is going to be negotiating with Ghislaine? Maybe they have leverage on her. We just don't know. Because now you have to wonder what they could do to her to keep her quiet or what they have on her. Because if I were Ghislaine Maxwell, I would have called the New Yorker by now and sat down with like, I don't know, Ronan Farrow and told my whole story and given up names. That's the best way to stay alive. Is to start talking about the people who were on that plane, which included Trump, Clinton, all kinds of dignitaries. And I'm sure that there are a lot of names that we don't know that were involved in Epstein's money web, like the owner of Victoria's Secrets. Big shot one percenter CEOs, you know, are going to be taken down. We saw what happened in Massachusetts when they started locking up all the rich celebrities here in California. Because they were paying to get their kids into USC. Crazy, crazy schemes to get their kids into USC. And at least we started locking those people up. Can you imagine if like heads of state, like Prince Andrew, if he's the first guy to fall, it can only go up higher, which you can I can't even imagine who that is. I mean, we know that Bill Gates' wife cited his friendship with Epstein as, you know, one of the factors in their divorce. You know, you, know um, you make a great point because if she was to do an interview with, let's say, like you said, Ronan Farrow or a, a popular uh, media outlet. Or me. I mean, I'm happy to do it if, if yeah. she's listening. Yeah, right. Let's get Michelle McPhee on this interview. But the point being, that would force the hand of the government to now look deeply into this thing without any, uh, you know, any, any uh, bullshit nonsense that they've pulled in the past with this, this case. And, you know, they're, they're going to cover up like you, you, you know, you pointed out, uh, Comey's daughter is the U S attorney. that's going to go after Epstein. And, and, and it's just ridiculous if names come out and if she does an interview and she exposes a lot of what went on behind the scenes, that's kind of forced their hand to, you know, now we have to get a real prosecutor to look into this with real investigative, uh, you know, uh, deep dive, a very deep dive, you know, and unfortunately the chips are going to fall where they're going to have to fall. So that might be a good play on her part. I hope that somebody in her camp is listening to this tonight. Well, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's such an obvious strategy, right? Bill it wouldn't go right to the press. Absolutely. Tickle the, tickle the wire. You know, Michelle, you met, you mentioned all of the uh, California scandal of those kids, um, uh, 
bribing officials to get into USC, claiming they were great volleyball players, whatever. My parents on Long Island, they had to join the Republican club to get me into the Nassau community. <laughs> and they're still paying. But, I, but I, I made it through. I went to Nassau, and then I stayed in the state system, Buff State, and then I got my master's from John Jay. So they pulled some heavy strings to do that. They, uh, they yeah. were duking the right people, Bill. That's they were right. definitely duking yeah. it. Yeah. That's right. That's they were dipping everybody in front of to get you. It wasn't easy. You know, I really don't think that those people were treated. I mean, listen, they were doing stuff for their kids. I get it. It was wrong. Don't get me wrong. But they really seemed to, like, come down hard on them. And I don't know, just uh, they were trying to do the right thing for their kids. It's wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend it. But uh, they really seemed like they came down real hard on them. I guess, of course, they're high-powered celebrities. And, you know, with a case like this, maybe somebody with some guts should come down on – Anybody that's involved in, in this thing. I mean, look at that poor young lady at 17 years old. She was uh, supposedly forced into sex with uh, uh, the, the prince over at G Ghislaine Maxwell's home. Uh, and in the story that I read, it said that she was in fear uh, because they were such powerful people. I don't know how she wound up there at such a young age, but uh, it's obvious that these weren't, uh, you know, they were taking advantage of young people and it's disgusting. And then in his statement, I mean, he gave a statement after uh, uh, the settlement was reached. Uh, it said it was known that Jeffrey Epstein trafficked in countless young girls over the many years and that uh, his thoughts, uh, uh, his association with Jeffrey Epstein, and he commends the, the bravery of uh, Virginia Jeffrey and other he called them survivors, not victims. They're victims, but he used the word survivors, probably architect by his attorney, for standing up for themselves and others. So he, he makes a statement like that. Yet in, in the uh, initial response to the, to the lawsuits, they were trying to paint this girl as a, a money-hungry gold digger, you know, looking for uh, a payday with lawsuits. So it's, it's funny how after the queen relieved him of duties when he tried to do that, uh, that interview date, obviously blew up in his face. Uh, he was relieved of his duties. That reminds me of the Alec Baldwin interview, so to speak. And uh, oh. so, so now his, his, uh, his tune has changed after the, uh, the payout is made and he wants to commend survivors, their victims, their victims, Prince. So, uh, you know, it's all choreographed. Uh, supposedly he's also going to make a donation to some uh, charity that, that uh, helps. Yeah, exactly. Whoop de do exactly. Whoop de do. I mean, it's nothing to them. You know what? You know what bothers me, and I'm sure it bothers you guys too. We all know the plethora of law enforcement that had to be around some of the people on Lolita Island. So Bill Clinton didn't get on that plane by himself. He had Secret Service agents, and it, it sickens me that anybody, if you read stories about what that place looked like, there were pictures of underage girls, nude photos of underage girls all over that place. The minute you walk in, Bill, Phil, like the minute you walk into a place like that, wouldn't you say what the actual Wakefield track and field is going on here? Wouldn't there be some sort of like obligation to say there are little kids, girls, like it could be your 13 year old daughter up there in a nudie photo the dirtbags like Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew to ogle and much worse, we now know, at least in Prince Andrew's case, because he admitted to sleeping with a 17-year-old now with this civil suit. I mean, it does it does kind of sicken me that nobody stepped up and 
unravel this. It was a well-known secret because we were hearing it at 1PP back in the day, like 2002, 2003, that this stuff but was you know, going You know, on. Michelle, I mean, that's, I mean, you're right. But in the same vein, who are the Secret Service guys going to report it to? I guess the you're FBI? right. You're going to report it to the FBI <laughs> on Bill Clinton? Do you think they would do a damn thing about it? Uh, I mean, I hate to keep picking well, on the FBI, it. but, but it's just did. like, hey, how did Harvey Weinstein go on with his behavior for years? And no one, in fact, I love the quote by Meryl Streep back then. Harvey Weinstein is God. You think he's God now, Meryl? Yeah, but you know what, Billy? This is a little different than that, too. It's, it's different, but it's still, it's power. It's power. Oh, and it's all about power, 100%. But you're talking about Secret Service agents. I don't think uh, Harvey Weinstein had Secret Service agents around him. And she's making a great point, Michelle, that, you know, there was stuff like this with these pictures. In, and stuff like that would obviously turn my stomach. I know it would turn your stomach. It would turn Michelle's stomach. It's, it's disgusting. But I guess the fear of blowing the whistle and becoming a whistleblower on such high-powered people, and then suddenly uh, you might turn to suicide. So I think that uh, maybe uh, people were concerned, they were scared, but I think uh, it would really be, uh, you know, you'd have to take a lot of guts to, to come out against the President of the United States, and uh, it's just shameful that nobody did. Nobody had the courage to stand up and fight for these young ladies. And uh, Yeah, but you know, okay. Phil, if someone reported Bill Clinton or Bill Gates, who do you think they're going to believe? You, that guy's done. His yeah, career as a Secret Service agent yeah. is done. They could eliminate. They could send that guy to Albuquerque the next day, yeah. and he'd never be heard from again. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Probably- they did it. I mean, remember that one FBI whistleblower who was ratting out Greg Scarpa's handler, Greg Scarpa, the most notorious hitman in in New York City history. Right. And his girlfriend, Lindsay Delvecchio, who was his handler, his FBI agent handler, when somebody blew the whistle on. Greg Scopper and his girlfriend at the FBI, that guy got bounced to God knows where. I tried to find him for a decade. You still can't find that dude. He, he, he's so it's reti- a good point, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> He's retired and living in Florida now. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware of it that uh, he was brought back to New York through the state system. They, they tried to charge him and then the case... The case went bad halfway through the trial, but... Uh, Did you ever he- hear what happened to the DA, the Brooklyn DA on that case? Like the uh, FBI was following him around. They were threatening him. Yeah, yeah. There's there's more to that story than was Way really more. reported. But but uh, again, it was, it was a phone call to Charles Hines that put the brakes on that whole thing. And uh, again, you know, the FBI doesn't want to have any uh, stink on them and... Uh, you know, but but it was clear. It was clear. If you look at the transcripts of what was going on in that trial, he was dirty, Del Vecchio, one hundred percent. This lady here seems to be in every single case. Of, <laughs> uh, I want to just play a little bit of her, Gloria Alred. I mean, she never chased a. It's like an ambulance chaser, but for these type of cases. Not Virginia Dufresne, who is involved in this specific court case, of course. Good morning to you as well. And Gloria, let's start with you because, you know, there's a lot of people talking here in the UK about the fact that this settlement has happened. Why has he chosen to do it? There'll be a lot of questions remaining over that. But this is quite commonplace. Is that right for it to to end like this? Absolutely. Most civil lawsuits end in a settlement, some before trial. Uh, and some even before a lawsuit is filed, not this one, of course, but this one settled 
very soon before the deposition that Prince Andrew was scheduled to give, where he'd have to raise his hand, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and uh, answer uh, some very vigorous cross-examination questions posed to him by Virginia's attorney. Of course, she would have had to give her deposition, too. Uh, and no one, whether it would be Virginia, whether it would be Prince Andrew, whether anybody else, I don't know anyone who would enjoy sitting at a deposition and being cross-examined if they didn't have to. This case, he settled. And yes, he paid a substantial uh, settlement to her charity. But here's what it doesn't say, this press statement along with the settlement. It doesn't say whether he also paid her anything personally. And now I'm just going to make a guess. He may very well have also paid her an amount personally. And that is not disclosed. He also doesn't acknowledge that he did anything wrong in terms of what she has accused him of in her allegations in her lawsuit. He says that she has uh, suffered as a victim, but he doesn't say that he, she suffered because of him, mm. that he did anything wrong, mm. says that she's a victim of abuse. He doesn't say he was the one who abused her. Mm. He doesn't say when it occurred, how it occurred, uh, or anything else about it. So it's very vague. I'm sure that it was heavily negotiated. Every word in this press statement was negotiated. Now there are leaks. We don't know whether the amounts that are leaking should be a violation of the settlement to say how much, whether they are accurate or not. Well, let's assume for the sake of argument that they're pretty close to the mark and that we are talking around about between 10 and 12 million pounds, which is around 15,000, sorry, 15 million dollars uh, in, in, in the US. And I think it is the scale of the settlement which may be alters perception here, because we know that Jeffrey Epstein, a convicted paedophile, um, paid uh, Giffrey um, several hundred thousand dollars to shut up in, in a settlement with her, which then Andrew tried to use to, to get the case against him chucked out and, and, and failed to do that. But it was, and it's a lot of money, but compared to this settlement, it's, uh, it's, it's peppercorn, isn't it? I mean, just a few hundred thousand dollars as opposed to a reported 12 million. I love, we I all love... agree that the word pedophile and i was gonna yeah, say about that. Right? only the brits call it a pedophile it's i oh, thought it was pedophile. a pedo the pedophile <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's us we're just you know rough and tumble east coasters with that we have, to have, we have to have a sense of humor about it but i love to look english people and irish people from the other side they have their own words for things too that aren't exactly regular english words you know like the so. loons yeah, a lot of a lot of different things, you know. Yes, words that we can't say out loud anymore. No, but uh, you know, one of the things is I don't. Uh, the U.S. attorney wanted to speak to Prince Andrew, and I wonder if even after this settlement, if he will ever step foot in the United States again, because I mean, they they won't tell if there's a warrant for his arrest. They won't say it, and but they can't. They're not going to serve it unless he steps foot into this country. I would be uh, it would be amusing to me for me to see if he would ever step foot again in this country. What do you think? That's really interesting. I, it's kind of like the Boston Marathon bomber's mother. She has an open warrant for shoplifting. If she comes back, they're gonna lock her up the minute she steps foot anywhere in the country. Uh, it'd be I would love to see a perp walk with Prince Andrew, wouldn't you? He gets served oh, with an arrest warrant. Amazing. 
And if it's if we're really lucky, he lands at JFK. So it's your guys who do it. <laughs> Amazing. You know, the U.S. attorney on the case, Jeff Berman, he said that there was zero cooperation coming from the Prince. And at one point, you know, he was talking about he was going to cooperate. Uh, he completely shut the door on voluntary cooperation. That was a quote from the U.S. attorney, Jeff Berman. So uh, his presser didn't go too well. He didn't cooperate in any way, shape or form. And the best way to dispose of this whole thing was to pay off uh, this young lady. It sounds like Gloria Allred might be on the right track there. That There's the settlement and then there's maybe a, a personal settlement. Um you know, it's funny how she gets in the middle of all these things. And, uh, you know, uh, th th there was a case a few years back with Lawrence Taylor and a friend of mine, Arthur Idell. Do, do you know Arthur Idell? I know Arthur very well. I just okay. talked to him two days ago. I'm very close friends with him. He represented Lawrence Taylor. And they went to great lengths to keep this girl. I think she was a 16 or 17-year-old girl that was uh, – uh, she was a call girl. And when she came to the hotel room where LT was – uh, he didn't do anything with it when he asked her age and she told him he, uh, you know, he, he backed out of the deal or whatever it was at the end of the day, they arrested him and, uh, you know, glory Allred got right into the mix and Arthur gave like about a, a, a five minute, uh, I, I guess you could call it a speech. It was during a press conference attacking glory Allred that they had gone to great lengths working with the district attorney's office, not to reveal this girl's name and stuff. And then she came out and did a presser right before, uh, the one that Arthur did, and she had the girl there and given her name and everything like that. So, again, she's probably, you know, she goes for the gusto when it comes to the moolah. So, uh, oh, I yeah, lot, she's motivated. I'm not a big fan of hers. I'm not a big fan of hers. And, you, you know, know guys, we, I think we know Arthur Idelia is very dedicated to doing the right thing by people. He's probably one of the best defense attorneys in the city, if not the best. You know, yeah. guys in the chat that people have been questioning, um, the guilt of of the of the prince, and I don't think anyone's going to part with sixteen million dollars, or they said twelve million pounds, wow. which is the equivalent of fifteen or sixteen million dollars. No one's going to part with that because they're innocent. If no they way. were really innocent, what if you were paying attention? Gloria Alred said what made him decide to settle was he was getting deposed, and he wanted no part of raising his right hand and getting deposed. So. All of a sudden, you know, Bill, they went, have the picture. If, if he was getting deposed on the road and said, I don't know who this girl is, never saw before in my life, it's perjury. So he had, he, he was caught between a rock and a hard place and he paid out the mullah. That's what it uh, Well, look, he even had the, I'll use the word chutzpah, I'll use the Yiddish word, he even had the, the chutzpah to say that the photo was doctored. I mean, dude, are you, uh, can you are imagine? You, are you kidding me? This photo yeah. was doctored. I mean, I was definitely Jeffrey Epstein's friend. And I knew Ghislaine because she comes from a very similar rich background in England. And I was partying with them all the time. But this girl, somebody just doctored me into this photo. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and his Twitter page was uh, hacked. And that's how he got on the uh, the Polar Express with his uh, his pictures to young girls. Sure, sure. And, yeah. Giz and Ghislaine photobombed this photo that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I mean, he looked like that had to be the absolute worst press conference i think it did so much damage to his reputation and he had no shot i don't know what made him think that he was going to outwit that female reporter but she crushed him like a bug 
Yeah, know, I don't know if he thought that she was going to be sensitive to the fact that he was the prince. I don't know, maybe she uh, she was handpicked, but she was not about to play ball with them. She went after him good, and I think she did an excellent interview. It was almost like uh, um, Ashley Banfield with Stephen Bertolino, the yes. attorney yes. for uh, uh, Brian Laundry. She yep. just eviscerated him, and he didn't even he didn't even know where it was coming from. And it's unusual for an attorney to get done by a reporter, but she did him, as they used to say, she did him real good, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she barely did. Did you yeah. watch that, Michelle? I did. It was amazing. It really yeah. did. Look, it, even, who was it? Gail King. I loved Gail King when she was with R. Kelly. Sit down, Robert. Sit down, Robert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments in television history. Just when you give up, because one of the major things about this whole Epstein affair is the absolute, the corruption isn't just, you know, it wasn't just that the secret service or the Royal police didn't report it. Reporters knew, I knew tons of people knew, and it was never ever even investigated until the Miami Herald took up the charge and good for that female reporter who really went after. And the way she cracked the case was to go after the court records that had been, I mean, it was such an obvious cover up. Who was who that? Phil, Phil, who was the, who was, he became a big shot in the Trump administration, but who was the um, attorney general in Florida who crushed this whole case for Epstein? Pam Bondi. Was what? it Pam Bondi? She she was the uh yeah, Pam Bondi, the female. No, uh, it was a dude, it was a guy, Alex. Somebody knows out there. It's um uh and then he became like a member of Trump's cabinet, but he's the one who negotiated this deal, even though there was proof that he was sleeping with underage girls back then, or at least he was grooming them to become oh, the yes, yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. Oh, Christ. And if you pull those court records, it's like, holy, what the hell? Oh, Alex Acosta. That is correct. That's it. Okay, someone came up with the chat. Uh, Measy Mom, thank you for uh, giving us that information, Alex Acosta. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Uh, if you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. We have a Patreon if you uh, want to help support us. We have three different levels. And, of course, the people in the green font in the chat are part of our YouTube family. We have five different levels that if you want to support us at that level. Uh, we're working hard uh, doing this podcast, obviously. We're trying to do some stuff, different stuff out of the box. And that's Don't why we get the merch, Bill. We got, we, the, merch. We got the merch. We no, got the uh, I, I need some merch. Police off the cuff. And we got you dipped in butter at certain levels, right? Uh, and Michelle... McPhee, I'm still she, buying one of those mugs. I have to have one of those mugs. All right, you, you, you gotta just go on our website, policeoffthecuff.com. You can order it from there. Do you, you, you guys need some like girl cut t-shirts? Because well, you know, t-shirts are when you uh, everybody does it wrong. You need female cut t-shirts like with boat necks, or you don't want it. <laughs> you have to order some some female cut shirts. I bet you. All right, all I'm gonna have. To, well, we have we have workout pants. Folks were buying. Folks were buying the workout pants for a while. Then maybe uh, our, our membership isn't working out anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to. I don't know how to say that. But uh, you know, the whole thing, Michelle, when you were talking about Jeffrey Epstein and the case in Florida, that uh, 
he basically got away with it until it got out into the news, like you were saying. One good reporter, or and else this would have stayed buried forever. Think about that. It took one tenacious reporter, and no one wanted to publish her story. If you if you hear interviews with the reporter who broke it, whose name uh, sadly I forget, from the Miami Herald, but she talked about how her editors for a while were against her. You know, it's believe me, I've been up against it myself. If your bosses don't back you. These stories stay dormant. Well, Michelle, yeah. look at look at Ronan Farrell. He wanted to yeah. give the story of Harvey Weinstein to CNN, and they were like, "No, no way!" How did oh, you vet this? Have you met him in person? Harvey Weinstein? No, Ronan. Farrell. Oh, Ronan Farrow. No, I, I actually oh, sat Anthony, behind Frank Sinatra's son. It's shocking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've seen person, him. Right? Yeah, I've seen him. I sat behind Harvey Weinstein at what, a movie Why is it shocking, Michelle? I'm not getting it. What? Why is yes. it shot? What, what what's shocking about Ronan Farrow? He he's well. There is allegedly he, he looks is like Frank Sinatra's son, but when you yeah, meet him right. in person, he is a blonde Frank Sinatra. It's crazy. Like me, pictures don't do him justice, even on television. Face to face, you're taken aback. All you think is old blue eyes. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I know yeah, somebody who met Sinatra, and they said that when he met him like in the sixties and they said there was just something about his eyes. He had the most beautiful crystal. It was a woman that met him and she described his eyes. It was like, wow. You know, uh, and Ronan you know. Farrow has those eyes. Cause he, yeah, it's mesmerizing right. when you first meet him in person, like you're taken yeah. aback by it a little bit when he's close yeah. to you. And I'm like, I remember seeing Frank Sinatra in concert and those eyes, there's something very unusual yeah, he, he looks, about he, them. But why would they, when you think about it, why would they hide it? Why, at this point, why would they? Especially with that dirtbag. Speaking of gross pedophile <laughs> dirtbags. Yeah, really. Woody, what's his face? Oh, Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. Yeah, Woody another Allen. one. Yeah. That's, another, that... I mean, imagine, that's another cover-up. If you watch that documentary, it's astonishing how the industry, journalists, everybody covered up for that guy too. And that's part of the thing. Look, you know, I already mentioned that it's disappointing that law enforcement, and I get why, Bill, I'm totally with you. The, the careers would have been over. We've seen it happen to guys. We All of us have seen it. We probably know people who have been buried because they did the right thing. But reporters were cowardly on all of these stories too. And that makes me sad because nobody wants to put their head on the chopping block anymore. And that's why there's no breaking news. And that's why you don't hear about these look, cases look, that look should be unraveled. Look at Hunter Biden, what they did to um, uh, the girl from the Post. I can't think of her name right now. They, they shut off Twitter. They shut off the New York Post because she was reporting on the laptop with Hunter Biden. And now we're finding out that it's all stuff that was true. So, I mean, they really wow. have a cancel culture in the media. It's Bill, and you're, I mean, I just wrote a story for LA Magazine. I'll send it to both of you guys because it's really interesting. There's a woman from LA, goes to her kid's football game, leaves at halftime, and no one ever sees her again. They fear that she is dead. Well, you start looking into who she worked for, and she was the money person, the accountant for a guy named Jason Sugarman. Sugarman's father-in-law owns the Dodgers. Sugarman's a part owner of, you know, the soccer team here in L.A. And Sugarman's co-defendants in a case that where they robbed, ready for this, there is, I don't think there's a bigger dirtbag move than stealing 10 million dollars from a native american tribe so they stole 10 million from you know indigenous peoples they're about to go to trial and to bring it back to hunter biden one of the co-defendants in that case is a guy named Devin archer who was hunter biden's longtime business partner the dude he was working with 
in Ukraine. So you start looking at all these connections. And now this woman who has, you know, what do we always say? Follow the money. The woman who has been following the money vanishes. She's still missing. We haven't even found her body. Unbelievable. You know, Michelle, even when we talk about, and I, look, you, you know this, you're an investigative reporter. Do you know that Harvey Weinstein actually had the balls to threaten the lieutenant and the two detectives from Manhattan special victims that brought the case on him? He I threatened never them heard that. that. Oh, yeah, that he threatened though. them and said that your careers are over. And thank God they stood up to him like they were like, but you know something? You got the police department. In Manhattan. But you know something? The police department, if you weren't 100% right, they could fold too and let you out there by yourself. Well, we've seen that happen too. Yeah. You know, we saw what happened to friends of ours like Jimmy Grant. Jimmy Grant. Jimmy Grant. We saw what happened when he, you know, look, there's a lot more to that story too. Yeah. When you want to talk about follow the money, where are the reporters? Someone should be doing a whole story on that de Blasio connection to what happened to Jimmy Grant. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable, but you're right. You know, look, look at Barry Weiss, who was a writer for the New York times who wanted to write more of what her opinion was. And she got pressure only to write the kind of stories that they wanted her to write. And she did a brilliant two-page resignation letter, which I wish I would had with me right, right now. I'd love to read it. But she resigned because, and she, I think politically. Yeah, yeah politically, she is a, a little bit of a liberal, I think she said. But she didn't like that they were forcing her to write from a certain slant. Listen, I came up to the school to this day. From the time I was old enough to vote, I knew I wanted to be a reporter. I have been an independent my entire life because that's how you're supposed to be. If you're going to be a journalist, you cannot be swayed by politics. You're supposed to be. I would argue that one of the problems that we have in law enforcement even is politics. You know, this idea that people are so slanted to the right or the left is exactly how guys like Epstein and Harvey Weinstein got away with it. You remember how much money Harvey raised for the Clintons? Forget about it. Exactly. There should be a separation of church and state there. and I think that that is sadly gone. I'm still an independent. And well, I, Michelle, and I hate it, it, both sides equally, to be honest. Look, Michelle, all, it, it, all the DAs that are in these woke cities are all getting million dollars from uh, George Soros. The it's Manhattan it. DA, this guy Bragg, he gave him a million dollars to to not, you know, to do this woke type of no prosecution. And there's several other cities that Soros, that's, that should not be allowed. That is like you know bribery. What? I know this sounds minor, but here in L.A., there's the crime is crazy. People in Beverly Hills are getting shot in a, like a crowded, fancy restaurant. But the big thing, and it affects me because you guys have met Vincenzo, my little French bulldog. But do you know that people here are getting robbed of their dogs at gunpoint almost daily? Almost daily. And French bulldogs are a big target. You can't walk the dog at night here because Gascon, RDA, won't prosecute. It's a gang. So there's the people who stole Lady Gaga's French Bulldogs were part of a well-known gang here in Los Angeles. And Gascon didn't put the gang enhancements on them. So they got out. And then they started to allegedly, from what I'm hearing from sources here, they started to direct other members of the gang to steal these dogs because, A, they're expensive so you can resell them. Worse, what would you pay for your dog? Right? Like, if they're going to demand 25 grand. You're going to give it to them if you can get it. 
And that's so they're making a bold. They don't even have to, you know, it's not a, they're not going to go to jail. So and a dog can't be the perpetrator either. <laughs> so, so it's almost it's almost like a foolproof crime uh, unless they uh, get caught. In the but but you know, Michelle, even with the New York Times, when the police department, the NYPD, is saying what's killing this city, one of the th- one of the things is bail reform. The oh, New York yeah. Times regularly writes stories and say says. There's no evidence that bail reform is causing crime to go up. They actually write that horse shit. And, and meanwhile, the police department's putting out statistic upon statistic to say, look, this guy was arrested five times with a loaded gun and he's out. And the Times says, there's no evidence. And whoever in the chat said that I give my opinion, you're right. I'm not a journalist. I'm a cop. All right. And I am a conservative. And Lee Braddock, I'm not here to be a journalist. I'm here to give my yep. opinion. Billy, to make the point you just said, a few days ago in Times Square, a little four-year-old kid was punched in the face by some psycho. The, the mother and the sister grabbed the guy, and other people jumped in. They, they arrested the guy. The guy has 32 prior small-time crimes. They're not, uh, you know, assaults and stuff like that, no murders or anything like that. But he was released, and he's supposed to go to court tomorrow. So uh, what are the chances of him showing up? I think he's a homeless CDP or whatever it is. So, of course, bail reform is is one of the things that's causing the uptick in, in violence in the New York area and across the country. And, and, and Phil, Hockle and Adams, that was theater when they went into the subway. First thing you say to Hockle, are you going to do something about bail reform? Oh, no. no. Oh, no. Hands because that's, that's her base. So why are you even running then? You, you know, she should be confronted with that every single day of the week. The, the well, it's interesting. People... Go ahead, go ahead, Michelle. I'm sorry. No, I'm, um, you know, it's interesting here this week. Uh, I'm writing a book right now about MS 13, the gang and this really unbelievable sting operation. And one, the the former Boston police commissioner, Willie Gross, this is a good story. You guys should look up one day. He got into a war of words with the ACLU. The ACLU is still pressing to shut down the gang database, which is, you know, a critical tool. And Willie Gross on his Facebook page called them paper warriors and it went viral and the globe did a bunch of stories and they quoted the ACLU's poster boy was this guy named Perverso, a killer. And they were like, poor Perverso. He brought a machete to school. The ACLU and the Boston globe reported this. I swear to God, he brought a machete to school so he could chop wood with his mom after school. (laughs) Two weeks, two weeks after the story, this glowing story ran about, Perverso, poor Perverso, he was discriminated against. He he got arrested for killing, I mean, not just killing, savagely dismembering a teenager in a town in Massachusetts. So why I'm telling this story is because this week, the U.S. attorney, the new one from the Biden administration, Rachel Rollins, and I have to give her a little bit of credit because her office in the sentencing memo for Perverso slammed the Boston Globe. They were like, this kid became the poster boy for the Boston Globe's attack on police. And I was shocked. I was like, this ordinarily doesn't happen. And I hope that reporters listen. Anybody, if you, if the ACLU files a lawsuit and says, Bill Grimaldi is a, is a perfect citizen. And, you know, he just wants to get back to his son and go to high school. And you call one source and he's like, wait, wait a minute. This guy's been arrested five times for carrying weapons. You know, he's committed countless crimes while here illegally. Nobody does the work. They just parrot 
what is handed to them. And I would have to applaud the U.S. attorney here in Massachusetts for calling the reporter out on it, for creating a, uh, this bad narrative that this poor kid was a victim when, in fact, he was chopping people up into pieces. Unbelievable. That's a bad group, that MS-13. They The reason they use machetes is because when they kill someone, it's much more uh, torturistic and, and they suffer. They don't die right away. And uh, they're a, a horrible, horrible group. And uh, anybody that would, you know, lay cover for them really should get out of journalism. I mean, that's disgusting. It is. Phil, you know, uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back, Phil. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. You know, guys, uh, in the chat, Michelle McPhee is a investigative journalist, but she's also written eight novels. And if you recognize this one, this was a doctor who was, oh, he was in medical school who was destined to become a serial murder. But the modern investigative tools like video cameras actually caught him early on in his uh, his quest to become a serial killer. And Michelle wrote a book about this. And of course, this I read this book. This is a great book unbelievable investigation. And this is about the deep dive into the Boston Marathon. And it goes places that you would never expect it to go. And uh, believe me, Michelle McPhee is not afraid to go to those places. She's uh, she's in California and she's part-time in Boston and uh, she's living the life. She's doing great. great. And it's great to have you on the show, Michelle. I, this is my favorite thing to do is chat with you guys because it's I don't get to talk to like-minded people very often, right? <laughs> that's great you know it's like we get passionate too because phil both phil and i had a sort of parallel career we we both i did six and a half years in anti-crime i think phil did over three years i am so passionate i love anti-crime and when the city got rid of anti-crime i was just like oh my god how could they do that and then when adam says he's gonna put cops back out there in plain clothes but wearing a vest that says police on it don't dip your toe in the water, dude. Jump in the water or don't do it at all. Because Wait a minute. So the plainclothes guys are going to have marks? They have to wear a vest that says police on it. Well, how's that going to work out? It doesn't First, work. They're, they're not even putting – now, in, before they got rid of all the anti-crime, there was an anti-crime unit in every precinct in the city, usually two teams or, or, or sometimes it could be even three teams. Then they had the citywide anti-crime. They had street crime and they had borough crime. So it was plenty of plainclothes police officers. Now he's going to put, he picked, I think, 30 precincts, uh, housing, transit, and, and uh, some NYPD precincts. They're going to have these guys in teams wearing this, they call it a half uniform, Je blue jeans, and they're wearing whatever on top, and they're going to have this vest. It's like a, a glow-in-the-dark vest that says police. So where's the where's the benefit to, to you know, having uh, people secrete themselves into the community, being able to uh, be eyes and ears, uh, hands-on, possibly prevent the robbery, take guns off the street? It's almost uh, counterintuitive to what they're trying to get to, which is take guns off the street. So it's uh, – And, and they've done – I, I know. I mean, it's been a long time since I was in New York, but I know those guys. Anti-crime did some of the best cases I ever wrote about, and I remember that two of them in in the uh, gun squad were assassinated, 
and they were assassinated because they were doing a sting in plain clothes. And yeah, I those are the guys in Staten Island. That's yeah. right. I, I, I actually worked on that case a little bit. They brought us there overnight. Uh, Nemorin, one of them was Officer ne- Nemorin. And Nemorin, and oh, it's awful. I, I can't think of the other officer's oh, name. What names? And those were two big strapping guys, man. They were big. They were executed. They were actually yeah. executed. By one of them had actually worked in the two three uh, when I was there, and I di- I didn't know him, but uh, when I heard that, I was even extra sad. Yeah, you know, but you but can't if you look at dip their, your- their careers. I think they took like between them thirty guns off the streets, working undercover, working plain clothes. You and you don't you can't put a price on how many lives were saved because those guns were grabbed, right? But we you know, know, Michelle, what we take the position as uh is that uh the left takes the position that it's the gun. You gotta get the gun. We take the position, no, it's the person that pulls the trigger. And they're not willing to incarcerate the person that shoots. They want to get the gun, put the gun in prison. And the gun didn't do anything. The gun is an inanimate object. But they refuse to prosecute, and then they start talking about the Iron Pipeline and all this other nonsense that they've been talking about since the 1960s. No, just prosecute the people that are shooting. Don't you remember we used to have something? I know we had it in Massachusetts, and I think you guys had it. I think I wrote about it in New York, too, that it was an automatic one year in prison if you got caught with an illegal handgun. I don't think that has ever, ever been applied In, in Massachusetts or New York. I don't I've never seen anyone actually do the year if they get pinched with an illegal gun. Well, wow, you're even using cop lingo, man. Look at that pinched. <laughs> you know what? I hang around you guys, it all comes flooding back. That's right. That's right. Too, many, too many hours with the, with the blood of the <laughs> I don't want to take a pinch. <laughs> Listen, if if we take a gun off the street, like you said, Michelle, we don't know who it could have killed if it wasn't taken off the street. But uh, most of these guns are being taken out of the black and brown communities in the cities and in whether it be New York, California, Boston, whatever. So again, these policies are aimed at saving lives in the black and brown community. And yet you have tremendous resistance from the black and brown leaders of these communities. So it really doesn't make sense, you know? And, and I think that's the hurdle that Adams is trying to get over that. They don't want to put anti-crime back in full force because they're going to get the pushback from the minority community because it definitely stop question and frisk was overused under the, uh, the, the administration uh, that was uh, previous to the Blasio um, Bloomberg. 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 And, and what he did was he put it on daily, uh, on monthly activity reports for even uniform officers. So at the end of the month, they didn't have five stops. They were going out and they were just throwing anybody against the yeah, wall. Comstat. And, yeah. They just, and, and they the just wanted to look at a Comstat, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the bottom line is if they could just revamp it, uh, take it off of the monthly activity reports, which it's already been done that way. So now we reinstitute it, but I think that's the hurdle he's trying to get over. So he's trying to come up with a compromise. We'll pick 30 precincts. We'll put police across uh, uh, the, on, on a vest. And it's it's not going to, and he threatened that anybody's in the unit. If you do one thing wrong, you're going to get fired. So who's going to take the uh, assignment to be, you know, not voluntarily anyhow, you know? You know, Michelle, well, if, you, if you know the history, if you know the history of Eric Adams, he was never really a, a a cop. He wasn't an arrest-oriented cop. He was an activist. He was he started 100 Blacks in law enforcement, and he was an activist. He's still an activist. It's going to show up as soon as cops make one mistake. He'll be all over them. I trust me. 
when I, I say that. I just think it could be a lot worse than Eric. Well, Adams. yeah, if you he saw the other nine. Standing of the job. At least well, the other nine clowns that were. Police, right? You're like, right. The other police. nine clowns that were trying to get nominated on the Democratic ticket. There were some horrendous people out of those nine. Scott Stringer. There was some other like. Oh, uh, God. Beyond what did that guy have to do? Didn't he just hang around in Queens? They, like- none of these people have it. They're just politicians. That word, it should be like, there should be a, oh. a, a skull and crossbones near in the dictionary after the word politician, you know? Yeah, I but mean, I have right, hope though. with Eric Adams because at least he comes from the background that he, he's not going to be screaming to fund the police. Because look, at, let's be honest, people forget the real base, and that includes people of color. The real base is law enforcement, civil servants, their families. These are people who go out every day and live in the reality of what the world is. You know, firefighters, we, the FDNY firefighter lost his life today. So, you know, they, they live in reality. And I think that at least he has an understanding of, you know, the people of Staten Island, the people of Brooklyn, the people, hopefully that comes into play, but it's a lot better than these ivory towers house mouses like stringer well you know look we said early on we're all rooting for eric adams but probably a good indication of what you're going to do in the future is what you did in the past so with that said i don't have great expectations of him and hockle and adams when they see that 50 percent less people are riding the subways that's what makes them concerned because guess what no one's putting their money in, in the kitty for the MTA. And the MTA is another political organization that's run by some jackass who starts blaming the police when crime goes up. You know, and they got rid of all the tools the police needed to fight crime in the subway, like jumping the turnstile is now a civil matter. So it, they got rid of that. So the police don't have the tools. And look, letting homeless people inhabit the subways and live there, that's a bad that's a recipe for disaster. And they it is not a only disaster. living there, Bill. They're doing a lot of other things. I, right, I, I yeah. Did a video, they're defecating, urinating, having oh, sex. God. I mean, right in play, uh, smoking crack, shooting heroin. And it's like just an everyday occurrence. And I I speak to people. That's that just a street in LA, Bill. That's just any street in LA. Right yeah. It's, it's, listen, it's across the country. There's a, a lot of policies that are just being disregarded, especially with these radical DAs. They, they think they're going to, change the law rather than enforce the law. And their job is to enforce the law. But we know that story. And Soros is doing a real job on us by backing all of these clowns. But uh, I I think you made a good point, though, Michelle, even though we don't have uh, a lot of hope for Eric Adams based on his career when he was in the police department. He wasn't an active police officer, but he does know how the system works. He was on the police force for 22 years. You had some real radicals in that group. Defund the police. Uh, most of them were into defunding the police. So you're making a good point there. And and I always said that anybody that came in behind De Blasio is going to be doing a better job than I mean, he was the world's worst. And uh, I, I think that, that, listen, he has the tools. He's got to get over the hurdles of, uh, you know, the people and, and the groups and, and the other politicians. He, he changed his mind on signing um, – what the heck was it? When he first came into office, he signed off on something and he said that he spoke to his, his colleagues in, uh, in the democratic party and, and he decided to, uh, to sign it. I forget what it was. There was some, something big when he first came in, but either way, you know, he's got, he's got to play the game. He's, he's in the political world now. So the political arena, it's, uh, it's not very clean. It's uh, kind of dirty as they say. Guys, we're coming up, uh, we're almost at the hour and I just want to plug, uh, 
Michelle's books. Mayhem is uh, about the Boston Marathon bombing. It's a real deep dive into what happened that day. I believe three people were killed, uh, like 20-something people lost limbs. Uh, the FBI was heavily involved, the Boston police. We would love to know the fisticuffs that happened behind the scenes between <laughs> the FBI and the Boston police. But Michelle takes a real deep dive. I would think that uh, I know this was a didn't they make a TV movie out of this, Michelle? But it was never a, a, a regular well, motion picture, right? Patriot tuned, because there could be some there could be some news on a documentary front soon, which would be really interesting. So maybe we can get some answers. That's cool. And now, now Michelle, uh, just let our audience know what are you working on right now. Uh, I'm working on a television series out here in LA. I'm fin- I just finished my book on MS-13. Hopefully going to get this documentary off the ground where I have a team of people that can ask the questions that the FBI hasn't answered yet about the Boston Marathon bombing. Wow. That sounds, and that of sounds course, amazing. I'm gonna, as soon as we're done, I'm ordering my police off the cuff mug. Oh, that's And great. I think all the ladies <laughs> agree with me on the, on the chick shirts. You need girl shirts. I, yeah, I, I I need a woman to handle our merch because they 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 do it better than 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 us guys here. Phil, final words. Final words, uh, Michelle. Thank you for coming on tonight. It's always an exciting show, and we get to talk to somebody's in the same, like you said, the same mindset as us. And I think we all had the same opinion about Prince Andrew and you know all the phony baloney stuff with that press conference. It all fell apart. He paid his way out of it. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing the next book that you're working on, uh, MS-13. That sounds like that should be interesting as well. And uh, the series you're working on, it is a cop series? Uh, there's a cop angle to the series. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting too. show. It's, it's, borders, it's about border and military. It's Remember the A-Team? We all love the A-Team, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the A-Team where everybody has their specialty and we're activating a team to go after – Fast and Furious missing, perhaps missing weapons. The rail iron pipeline well, that was sent over the border by us. Okay. You know, Michelle, Phil's just about to ask you for a part in your next movie. So uh, <laughs> well, you got to be. Phil, are you kidding me? You're already in. Uh, I, I'm, I, I actually wrote a character with you in mind. Uh, that's oh, that's, that's great. Michelle, do you have any good Cabernet in your house? Uh, cab? I have a good Zinfandel. No, I like Cab because the apartment looks so cozy with the fireplace. Got a nice <laughs> glass of red wine. Phil will have some Sambuca with three beans in the snifter. That's and <laughs> bring, out, bring out some Soprasada and some good uh, Parmesan cheese and we'll hang out. I love it. It'll be like peanuts from Monty Gardens. Only <laughs> That's right. Except she said, morning, yeah, that, she said, she Sp- said Spumoni Gardens. So she yeah. said Gardens. She, she she the- can't, can't shake that Boston accent. No, she can't you know shake it. Bad, though, and it's actually South Brooklyn Boston hybrid, so no one understands me. Yeah. <laughs> Vet Girl, thank you so much for that 1999 super chat. Vet Girl RWB, good evening, all. Thank you. I just saw you now. My God, that thank you. That was so nice of you. Uh, guys, this, you know, We've been doing these sort of these shows recently, uh, sort of out of the box a little bit, right, Phil? And yeah, uh, this is having Michelle on is great, and you know, picking the topic. We always wind up back talking about crime again, you know. Talking, <laughs> talking about <laughs> what's well, the thing that all three of us have in common? So right, talking about New York City, but it's uh, it's it, it, you know that's what we do. So guys, thank you so much, all you folks that 
or our channel members or Patreon members. And even if you're not, you subscribers that support police off the cuff, we want to thank you for listening tonight. Have a safe night. And, uh, you know, we, we got another show tomorrow night with uh, Chrissy Mayer. She's a female comic. She's a podcaster. She has her own radio show. She's got 55,000 subscribers on her um, uh, on her YouTube channel. She's doing great. We're going to have her on. And she's actually a conservative podcaster and stand-up comic. And she was actually at the White House January 6th observing in her new comedy album is called January 6th. And that's Chrissy. Wow. And we're going to talk about the Joe Rogan and, you know, the cancel culture and all of that yeah. stuff. And we'll get back to talking about crime too. So anyway, folks have a great night. Thanks. Thank you everyone for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks for having me. It was great to have you. One episode, just